0: In Malachi chapter 3, and you don't need to turn there, I'm just going to read it. Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, says, Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, How have we spoken against you? You have said, It is vain to serve God. What is the prophet? of our keeping his charge, or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts. And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I make up my treasured possession and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. Chapter 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healings in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, Of utter destruction. I want to go back to verse 18. Then once more you shall see the distinction. Between the righteous. And the wicked. Between the one who serves God. And the one who does not. Serve him. Church. Today is your hour. This is your day. This is your day to choose whom you will truly serve. Father, I just pray this morning that you fill my mouth with your words and your words only. I give you my will. I give you my mouth, my feet, my hands. I have no desire to be standing up here except through you. I have no desire to put forth words unless they are yours. So I ask that you do it. If there comes a moment where it is me, just stop me. I worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. For too long, the church has been mixed up like seeing through a glass dimly because there are voices in the church in the church that do not have the heart of the father behind their voice they have the recognition of men they have the status of this world. They have what they feel is good in the moment. And yet that is not God. And just as it said in the verses prior to verse 18, I want to I say it was back, well, prior to eighteen. Just as it said then, there are people that will speak out and take control, saying that they are of God, but they are not. The church is permeated with those people. My heart was sickened this week of the churches that stood up to say, that because of all this and because of the division coming, you know what? We're going to back Biden. We're going to back what he stands for. Guys, look at what you back. Recognize what it stands for recognize, as I've been saying for weeks, what the Lord is doing, what is being revealed in this time in which we live. He has come. He is coming to bring division. How does He do that? Not division because He doesn't want us to love each other. Division because the weak are being misled by the strong. And the strong, especially of those who rely on themselves, rely on the way this world works. Where is the church? We've been saying it for weeks. Where is the church? Where is the voice of the church? Systematically The voice of the church has been silenced Over decades Over decades Placing the will of themselves Above the will of the Father Even through simple means (laughs) Even through simple means Well, we're a church We need to be tax exempt So we need a 501c3 Seems logical, right? Do you know 99% of the churches are 501c3s? When we started this, the Lord said, you will not do that. He told us what to do. Now I understood what a 501c3 was. Because back when we did a band, and this was before this was kind of precursor to ignition, we were a 501c3. I know what you have to sign in order to become a 501c3. You literally sign authority of the state above you. That the state is the ultimate authority in what you're doing. And, and really it's the federal government. I'm talking about the government as a whole. That you're allowed to operate within this guidelines, and you get the benefits of the 501c3, but you have to just say, yes, but you are under this authority. Seems small, right? Came out decades ago. This was going to save the church. This was going to bring the church the, the money that they need. See, it was sad because the church turned their eyes around, away from the actual provider. When the church starts to take things in within themselves, to do things within themselves, it will always take them away from God. Always. Always. When we think of things in our minds as, well, this makes sense... Not taking it to the Word of God, but saying, Lord, all these things surrounding us, everything going on, it makes sense to step in this direction. That's kind of what I'm thinking in my mind, so I'll just do it. Everybody's telling me to do it, I'll just do it. Because I see the benefits of it. What we don't know is the downside. Do you know churches never had to do that in the first place? They still don't. Churches are one of the few things, constitutionally, that have a right to tax-free. And if you don't believe me, I've got proof. This past week, about a week and a half ago, we finally got our authorization from the IRS that we are fully tax-free and have been the entire time. And yet, we're not a 501c3. I sent them a letter, told them who we were. They went, went through this insanely ridiculous process to prove to themselves that we're a church. And then they said, okay, yes, we will then give you your right that you've had this entire time as a church. Seems insane, doesn't it? But that's exactly how it works. That's exactly how those who want to control you operate. You've all seen it. You see it in the workplace. You see it in friendships. You see it in, in school. Good night. School, you see it. That's where we're first introduced to it. You ever watch Mean Girls? You ever watch the? And I don't mean the movie. I'm talking about real mean girls. I don't think I've actually, I hope that's not a bad movie because I've never seen it. Okay, my wife's saying, yeah, don't talk about that. I truly have not seen it. I just know all the mean girls that would have teased me in school. But you see it in school, right? You see the gangs that kind of get together and say, well, we're going to put forth how we feel, so that way everybody will be the same. You've all seen it. You've all grown up in it. It is no different in the government. No different. So where's the church? If the church has the answer, if God is the answer and the church is the one that's supposed to have this relationship with God, where are they? Some of the biggest churches, where are they? I watch some of these messages, and I'm sorry, they make me sick. Think positive and positive things will come to you. Wow, if that isn't so of the enemy, so of Satan, it's not even funny. It's that lack of standing up for God and for what He wants that has brought this world, because I'm not even just talking about our nation, has brought this world to its knees. And what are they doing now? It's no different. Just a shift. It's a shift from one mindset to another. Now it's all about race in the world, not just our country. You think we have problems? Watch world news. See what happened last night and yesterday in London. It's all over the globe. We have been brought to this place where they want us to recognize this problem between race. And that something needs to be done. I'm not in disagreement with that. Something does need to be done. But there's no way they will bring the answer. The church has to bring that answer. Those who have a relationship with the Lord, that remnant that speaks for His heart, they do have the answer. You know what frustrates me about this the most, and this is me, Greg. What frustrates me is through this whole process, I am told to feel that I am a racist. I am told to feel and to think a certain way that I am not. Do you know? Until it's brought up, I don't even think about it. And then you would say, or some would say, well, okay, yeah, that's the problem. No, it's not the problem. Because, see, Jesus Christ, the creator of the world, created each person how they are. Beautiful and perfect. And by the way, that includes those that were, that were created even with deformity. Their purpose is perfect. Their book, he didn't take when he said in, in Psalms that he writes a book about our lives before the foundation of the world. He didn't have a set of books over here that, okay, these are for all the people that I want to have success and want to be good. And then I, I got this other little library over here for those who, who you know, they just won't have the same Maybe they'll be born with a defect. Maybe they'll be born with this problem, that problem. Born into a different set of circumstances. So I'm going to make their book a little less. That's baloney. That's baloney. The problem is we listen to the world. We don't listen to God. That's what this nation has to do. See, we are at a critical time in our nation and a critical time for the world. But more than that, a critical time for the bride. This is your hour. This is your time. This is your choice. God said this first woe was for the bride. It was a test. It has come to bring division so that we will state who we are for. Not that we can hide behind any pretense. Boy, do you notice that now? Do you notice how you can't hide behind words? You can't hide behind pretense. Because reaction brings out truth. I remember when I first started teaching years ago. 35 years ago. Oh. 40 years ago. No, wait, how old am I? Okay, 30 years ago. (laughs) I was 25. Yeah, okay, 32 years ago. 31 years ago. It was close to that. I'm going to forget what I was even going to say if I don't stop. I remember at the time, one of the first things I taught was your first reaction Is the tell of your heart. How you react to something immediately without thinking about it is the fruit of your heart. How do you react to something without thinking? How do you react? That's going to tell you where you're at in your heart. Is it a reaction of fear? Is it a reaction of anger? Is it a reaction of, I see what you're doing, God. Because that's what he wants us to see. Now, by the way, those immediate reactions are also just that. They're fleshly reactions. The flesh can be changed. The flesh is changed through an immersing of God's will in our lives. The church can be changed. This reaction of control can be changed. But it's got to come from the voice of God. It's got to come from what He wants, not what we see as needs to happen. Because here's the thing, racism is an issue. It's a disgusting Horrible issue. But that's not the only one on the list. That's not by far the only one on the list. I understand. Really, racism is more about, I'm better than you. It can be applied to racism, but it can be applied to everything. I'm richer than you, so I'm better than you. I'm more pious than you. So I'm better than you. There's a whole church string that lives on that one. See, it comes down to a heart of propelling ourselves in this earth in earthly ways. That's what makes us think That we're better than somebody else. Is there systemic racism? Yes. Why? Because there is systemic sin. You don't hear from the pulpits anymore that there is sin in America. There is sin in our lives. We don't walk as we are supposed to walk. And obviously I'm talking generally as the bride. He needs us to, though. And there is a remnant that he has chosen because they recognize that. Our government, our churches, any form of leadership is corrupted by self. It's corrupted by seeing a way that we do things on this earth without seeing how God wants them done. Okay, now, if you take away all the people that don't know God, don't believe in Him, don't care about Him, believe in other gods, whatever, if you take all them away and have just the bride, just those who believe in God, Those who say he is the ultimate authority. First of all, you have a minority in the world. But those that are not of God, I don't have an expectation for them to believe. I don't have an expectation for them to want to do what's right in God's eyes. I have an expectation of the bride to do that. Because see, when you know the Father, you can know what the Father says. You can know through the power of the Holy Spirit and building relationship with Him what is right, what is wrong. We have the Word of God to turn to. We can know what He's saying. It's not a big guessing game. It doesn't have to be. So I don't expect the world to know that. Because they don't even know God. I do expect the bride to know. I do expect that there are those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. I do expect them to. I expect them to understand what it means to stand up for what God says. Period. Period. No matter how popular, no matter how unpopular it is. It doesn't matter. What he says is what he says. And yet we buy into things we don't even understand. I don't want to step on toes here this morning. I might a little bit here, but I know I will online. Guys, know what you're buying into. Know what you're buying into. The little hashtag Black Lives Matter yeah, they do matter. Don't take that title and apply it to everything, because I'll tell you what, spend some time researching what they do, what they stand for, really. Do they stand for Black Lives Matter? Do they stand for, for police brutality being stopped? Absolutely. And I'm in agreement with that. Their methods of wanting to do it are a different thing. They're not of God. They're not even in the principles and the word of God. Not even close. But I'm talking about when Black Lives Matter march for abortion. When they're at the women's rallies and they march for the right to choose. What about those lives? Know who you are connecting yourself with, because it matters. It matters because the second you connect yourself, you give your voice to them. Do you understand that? You may not think that you do, but in the Spirit, that's exactly how it works. So don't take the things that are wrong, that do need to be changed, that do need to be reconciled, And apply them in a way where it will not bring change. It will shift the kind of crap that we have had for decades. You want to know who hates racism? How about God? How about Jesus Christ who hates racism? If he was a racist, guess what? We'd all be one color. And not only that, but when God, the Son, chose to become a man, He could have chosen anything. But He chose the most persecuted, the most hated, the most targeted racist people in other words, targeted for racism against them, that he could. He became a Jew. (laughs) God's not a racist. And if you believe in God and you really believe what the Bible says, that he is the answer to everything, then we need to look at what he says about it. We need to look at what his plan is, what he wants to have happen. Because these are real problems that require real solutions. Knowing what the real problem is. Pakistan again. (laughs) Pakistan needs to stop calling me while I'm preaching. (laughs) He needs, or we need to know what he says. Because he is the only one that can bring the real answer. He's the only one that can bring real change. He's the only one that can take a group of all different mixes and make them equal in love, in everything. He can do that. He wants to do it. Once more, he will do it. That's why the moment we're in, is a test for the bride. Are you going to trust him to do it? Are you going to trust in what he says? Trust me, it's not going to be popular. His judgment never is. You will hear, well, a loving God wouldn't do that. And by the way, you're going to hear that from Christians. From Christians that either don't understand the Word of God or they say, Well, we're in a new covenant, so we kind of ignore all the bad stuff. I was reading a prophet recently that that, that said God does not speak anything negative. I'm not sure what God he's talking about. I know what God he belongs to because I know his his heart. But I also know that he is. Fed a lie. Because, see, we are in a time of judgment. We are in a time of choice for the bride in this first woe. God is separating out in this first woe. The best way I could describe it is kind of like what happened with Gideon. Getting gathered all, I think it was three thirty-three thousand or something like that. Thirty thousand to thirty-three. Thirty-three sticks in my mind, but had, had them all together. And here they are, Lord. We can we can go against the hundred and twenty-six thousand, I think, that was coming against them. And He said, No, 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 no. You have way too many. Why do you think He said that? Why do you think the Lord said? 126,000, 33,000, now you have too many. You have too many. Why? Because, wow, th- there's just a real chance that you could take credit for this one. <laughs> Why don't you whittle them down? Whittle it down to 10,000. How about now, Lord? 10,000, that, that's below 10%. I mean, come on. I mean, Israel is a phenomenal fighting force, but I mean, come on. 11 to 1? That's a little tough. How about now, Lord? No, way too many. Way too many, Gideon. I'm calling you to do something. Are you going to trust me? It's not going to make sense. You have to tell everybody else. And they're going to think you're whacked. They're going to think you're whacked in the first place of even just going against. But let alone taking out 23,000. The Lord said, no, 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 10,000 is too many. Go have them get a drink of water and we'll whittle it down a little further. I could just imagine Gideon sitting there on the bank of the river because the Lord told him what it would be if if they take a drink with their eyes up, then they are part of whom I am calling. If they put their their face down and laugh like a dog, they're not. I could just imagine him and he's like, Head up, head up, head up, head up, head up. Come on! (laughs) Out of 10,000, there were only 300 chosen. See, at this point, how would the church react? Yeah, I don't think we really heard from God. We got something wrong. Let's do it this way. (laughs) You know what? Maybe we went the wrong direction. Maybe what God meant was, we have the 33,000 and, and we're, we're supposed to get another 100,000. So we have this advantage. Let's work on that. How would the church react right now? Would they trust God? I would dare say the church as a whole would not. And I don't make that accusation without proof because the proof is in the money. How many churches that you know of? Walk, as the Bible says, by faith, monetarily. The Lord said, I'm your provider, I'll provide you everything you need. Just walk in what I tell you to walk. I remember at the last church that Alexa and I were at, this was the dividing line for us. I was at a vision meeting. And we talked about what was necessary for the church to be able to grow, to physically have the, the capability of growth. And what it boiled down to was this expansion of a par- parking lot that was going to be a million dollars. I remember my reaction to this, and I, I, was, I was honestly surprised that I was in the vast minority. I said, awesome. God will provide it. Now, we're talking about an amount that was way beyond a budget, way beyond our capability to do anything with. But it was there that the church, the other vision leadership, decided, no, we can't do that because, and started to lay out a reason why. Well, you have a percentage of people that give this, and then a less percentage if they know that it's a special thing. So, really, here's what we have. This percentage of our church will give this. This is the. And I, my mind's just going. Where's God in that? Where's God in that? Where's God? If we had that thought process, we never would have gone to Nigeria. We never would have had what we have now in Nigeria. And by the way, when we go back to Nigeria, we are going back with resource behind us because of what God has done the last couple of months. It's extraordinary when you just trust what he says. Just trust. And by the way, then let him say it. Let him do it. Don't, yes, I trust you. Uh, you know, God, those are great suggestions. I've got them, I got them written right here. I'm just going to fill in a little bit of color to it and, and how we could do this. And, and God's up there saying, missed it again. Missed it again. Why? Because you want to control. That's really what this boils down to. Everything. Isn't racism about control? Isn't reverse racism about control? Isn't everything that we do, isn't abortion about control? Do you know abortion started out that way? For those who ended up passing the laws, it was it was a way to control the population. It's used, literally used in China for population control, where they don't, by desire, go and have it done, but they're forced to. It's all about control and how we want to control our lives. We want to control our outcome. I'll tell you what, that is the number one enemy of a Christian. Because you can't serve two gods. Most of the church is caught up in controlling the money. If we control the money, then we can do the ministry. See, God, we're doing this ministry because we're controlling this money. and, And I know the percentages. So if we do this and do that and blah, 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 blah. How about that song we sing? where it says, you said it, I believe it. You said, God, go to Nigeria, because everything's going to begin there. Well, God, you know, I could have said, well, you know what? Great suggestion, and I believe that. Let me, let me get a ten-point outline of things that we need to pray for, and, and you begin to provide, so when we go over there, we're, we're all set. No. My other choice in what we did do was, okay, I need a ticket. I need a ticket. I don't even care if I have a place to stay. I need a ticket because i got to get over there. And I'm going to meet this guy that I met for 15 minutes at an airport and I've been talking to online for a year and a half. Okay, by the way, we teach our kids not to do that. (laughs) So don't use that as an example of yes, okay. Right? But I just chose to believe him, going over there fully expecting to live in some hut, sleeping on the ground in some hut. I wasn't excited about it, but I was really ready for it. When I ended up at the governor's house in what's probably a 1,500 square foot suite, I, I was actually a little depressed because I thought it would have really been cool to sleep in one of those huts. <laughs> But see, it was the provision of God that was overflowing more than I could possibly expect. Why? Because I said yes. That's all. Because I said yes. We have so many of those stories right here where people just say yes. The entire Nigerian team that can't go back because the borders are closed right now. Do you pray for them by the way? Yeah, I know, I know you do. Do you guys pray for them, by the way? Yeah, pray for them. Because see, they're away from their home. Their home isn't where they grew up. Their home is where God has placed their heart. And God is going to take them back. But just like you guys pray, Lord, don't send us back without power. He's going to blow you away, how he sends you back, and what he sends you back with. See, it's just a matter of saying yes. Yes, Lord, I do believe that you are the answer to this problem we have in the United States. Right now is the choice of the bride. God is forcing that choice to be known, and you can't hold it in. You see it on TV all the time. You see these reactions to what people say, and people then put out a Facebook ad or whatever they put out to to tweet to to give their, their opinion on it. And that reaction may not even be what they stand for. But it shows where their heart is, and i 'm not talking about good or bad i 'm talking about with the Lord with his plans, because see in in this first woe of testing the church, it is bringing that dividing line now much, much of the church has no clue I mean you you have you have all types you have those who do know the lord as savior but yet you could hardly tell right you know you know there are those parts of there you also have and this drives me insane you have people that use the name of the lord and don't know him at all or at least i assume do not know him at all you see that in politicians right now oh my goodness Politicians standing up and using a verse in the Bible Twisted to their own means See, years ago, I wouldn't have known what that meant I do now That is witchcraft I have seen it I have spoken with witches I understand that Do you know witches use the Bible more than most Christians do? And do you realize that? That is absolute truth. That is from the mouth of actual witches that I have talked to. They use the word of God more than Christians do. Why? Because if they twist the word of God and apply it, it becomes a word curse. It is witchcraft. And witchcraft right now is so rampant. In the world. And it will get more. Because the Lord is allowing them. Get this. This is the woe. The Lord is allowing them to have their time. Why? To show that line of division. To show who is for the Lord holy and who is not, or who is partial. I mean, certainly this woe and this judgment affects the world. But that's not the target of this one. That is the target of the next one, and I'm not going to go into that one. That one's very different. and will be very difficult. But America has an opportunity right now. To choose what side of that line that they are in. Or that they will be in. And it hangs upon the bride. He will be giving a voice. To those who have no voice. That are for him. He's promised it. We just read about it. That very voice that. He can speak through to speak truth of what we need as a nation because it boils down to one thing repentance. This nation needs to repent. We need to repent as a nation. We have all certainly in here and and the remnant, we have we have asked forgiveness personally. This is not about that. For those who who have, I mean. This is about our nation that we are part of, that we love, that was one nation under God, that was a vision of William Penn, that would be a nation under God, one that chooses God in whom they serve. See, right now, that repentance has to come at a level that we have no authority in. That, as of right now, we have no voice in. But that voice is coming because repentance is what he wants. And I believe with my full heart that this nation will repent that Donald Trump will recognize that Christianity is not just a label, it is not just God that looks upon the affairs of men and is, is pleased or displeased, depending on where we go, but that it is a relationship that he wants with mankind. He wants intimacy with us, not just obedience because you can obey and your heart not be in love. right You see that in relationships all the time. you see it in marriages, you see it in broken marriages. Why does a wife stay in a marriage where she just keeps getting beat and beat and beat? It's out of a, out of fear. But that fear produces that obedience. There's no heart there. There's no desire there. Do you see what I'm, do you see the difference? See what I'm talking about? God doesn't just want our obedience to recognize his precepts and okay, yes, I'll live by these. What a waste of him sacrificing his son if that's all it was for. Because then the very reason why he created us in the first place would not be accomplished. And that is love. You can't love somebody and keep your thumb forcing them to do what you want. That's not love. God loves us. He will not keep his thumb forced down upon us to love him. He gives us a choice. He said, by love, you, you choose to love me or not. There are consequences when you don't, because guess what? I made the world. I made the world, and I made it according to my character, God says. So according to his character, the world is going to flow in a way that it is his character. And when it goes opposite, which it has, <laughs> I mean, has almost since... We got out of the Garden of Eden. But when it goes opposite of his character, then there are things that happen. There are his judgments, but there are natural things that happen, even with creation. We've talked about this, and and you're going to see this. You're going to see and already are seeing creation itself. Let its voice be known because it grieves over our lack of relationship with the Lord. We're breaking this solemn trust of his creation by not saying, my life is yours. Anything you want. Alexis come on up.
1: such an important word and one of the things that's been on my heart for such a long time now is the discerning of spirits the ability to see with spirit eyes what God is doing and that's my greatest prayer for ignition for the bride as a whole certainly for the remnant and one of the things that as a check you know I don't think that as he said here that that there would be any disagreement with these basic principles of the fact that god is moving and what he's doing and that we're in a woe and this is a time to wake up the bride all of this but how it can apply to us personally is how much even in the the smallest areas of your life are you seeking the lord do you ask the lord um i was talking with somebody recently about um they were asking me so so where are you where are you reading the bible where are you studying right now and my response that, that even kind of surprised me was, I asked the Lord, where do you want me today? Where do you want me in your work? Because it's when you're in a conversation, it's, I have a lot of things on my heart that I pour out to God, but because he speaks through his word, I want to know where he wants me to be. And it doesn't mean that we can't dig into a deep study and want to continue with that, but the Lord has been teaching me every day to seek Him for even the what would be seem seem to be micro decisions because He He wants to have a complete takeover so that as Greg said our reactions are a reflection of where our heart is. Do you ask the Lord um, and? I know Brooke actually was the first influencer in some of these areas, and we can certainly develop a confidence with the Lord to know his purpose and his will so that we're not, it's not like you're asking him every detail to second guess, but do you ask him, where do you want me in your word? What, and we're good at this at Ignition when we say, what do you want me to pray about? Holy Spirit, fill my mouth. But do you pray about, what do you want me to eat? What do you, who do you want me to call? Who do you want me to reach out to? You know, there's a, sometimes if we're really honest with ourselves, we will say, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to ask him what he wants me to eat. I'm hungry. I'm just going to eat. I know what I need. Have you ever applied that to other areas of your life? Well, I, I, know the, I know the Christian life. I know what the Word of God says. I mean, I know what I'm supposed to do. So, I mean, I don't, I don't need to ask him that because I know what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes we need to go back to the basics. And, and the Lord will reveal areas that may not be surrenders. There may be carnal coping mechanisms that are hindering our assignment and our purpose and our relationship and his voice when we don't say, Lord, what do you want? If there's anybody, both growing up in a Christian home, I mean, you know, I was taught, and, I, and I'm teaching Yvonne, I've taught Brooke, I'm teaching Yvonne the the principle of the first fruits of your day. Give him your praise. Give him your devotions. Have your devotions every day. That was so instilled in me as a young child, the reading the Bible through in a year. All those things are awesome. But when you really want a relational exchange with the Lord, ask him where to send you. It will be amazing, the revelations. Because, see, some of us don't yet even know what authority we walk in. And when he takes us to a particular scripture, he may want to unlock a revelation that has to do with his assignment for us that we don't even know yet is his assignment for us. So that's a good way to just check. And and it really will teach you how to have the mind of Christ because when you when you give over those things, sometimes it's easier to see and discern the larger things. And if you can easily discern the larger things, maybe that's not lost on you. Maybe there's, you know, all of you here that are very aware of what's going on. Yeah, I see it clearly. There will always be a barrier to the deep things and the purposes of God when there's even the smallest area of your life that is unsurrendered. You cannot be addicted to a coping mechanism, whether it be food. Um, coping uh, maybe with anything, sleep, we know drugs, alcohol, those are obvious ones, but any kind of coping mechanism, we can't be addicted to that and then expect to have God reveal the deep things. He wants to go deeper, but he wants every part of our life surrendered. And so that was something that, and I guess I'm speaking for me because I lived justified in compartmentalization in ministry. I was as surrendered as I knew to be, but there were just parts of my life Honestly, I now learned that I was saying to the Lord, it's none of your business. I wasn't consciously saying that, but it's because I had truly no intention of giving that over. I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to stop eating that, or I'm, gonna, I'm not going to start doing that, or, or, you know, I know what devotions to have. I was, learning, I was taught that my whole life. Why would I ask the Lord? I mean, isn't being in the Word of God... Listening to his voice. I mean, he just wants me in the word of God. I can choose. And when you know his heart, it's not like it becomes this conscious conversation. Eventually, it just becomes that where you desire to go is where he wants you to go. That's really where it goes. But until you're there, stop and ask him. You know, it doesn't have to be a, okay, Lord, do I do this? You know, eventually, eventually, you're, you're going to notice the Isaiah 37 seven four I'm just so delighting in him that he'll, he gives me every desire of my heart. Why? Because every desire of my heart is his. And he'll always give me what he's giving me. <laughs> you know. So this is um, a time when our eyes need to be open. And they need to be open in a way that um, we want. We want it. I don't doubt that for a minute. We want our eyes to be open. But leaning on our own understanding creeps in in ways that we don't know. And if there's one thing that we have to recognize, is Satan is seeking to get authority in our life by any means he can. He wants authority. He wants even a crack that's open to where he can get in and take over. And he'll sometimes start with things that we have so compartmentalized and set aside, and we've said, that's not a big deal, or I'll deal with that later. Lord, you know my pressures, you know, I'll get on that one later, you know. And yet he's saying, no, I'm, I'm knocking at the door. I'm knocking at the door. I'm not fixating on that because that's a, a big reason why we justify. You know, why are we fixating on something? It's not, he's not fixating on He's just saying the enemy's taking you to court over this. Just give it to me. Let me do it. You will find it is so easy. I loved Lacey's testimony of just, she just, as she delighted in the Lord, she noticed she was just not biting her nails anymore. She just, she gave up a coping mechanism and sometimes it will fall off. Other times, you will fight with everything in you to surrender to the Lord. It depends on how intense that mechanism is and what it is that needs to be surrendered. But those are ways that God gives us clear eyes. Because when we have the mind of Christ, we can discern. If your first reflex is to hold on to a comfort and I need XYZ, I need this box, I need my sense of myself, you're going to trip up every time. And that's what... 2 Timothy 3, Matthew 24, the the last days, the the rise of people being lovers of themselves. Self-preservation more than lovers of God. And it turns into every evil work. Something that would be seemingly not a big deal, like how people say white lie, it can take over. It starts small, and and then it begins to take over. Because Satan doesn't just want to mess with you. He wants to destroy you. So he starts small when it's not noticed. And I'll just close with the, something we've probably all heard, but apply this to your relationship with the Lord. You've heard the story of the frog. If you took a frog and dropped it into boiling water, it would jump out. It would not stay. But if you put it in nice,
0: lukewarm,
1: not cold, not hot, gentle you know, temperature, and then slowly but surely turn the heat up without any resistance. He will let you boil him because he doesn't even know what's happening. We are to have discernment. We are to have discerning eyes. God does not want us boiled in this time when the heat is turning up. He wants us to be discerning. He wants us to recognize this stuff is hot and I'm not touching it. And I have the answer and I won't take the time today, but boy, oh boy, you want to look at the story of Jonah, a man who could not see beyond his own prejudices of, of God's assignment for him, beyond, beyond his own um, feelings and emotions to do what God wanted and ran and ran. That's such a great story as far as what's happening in the church today. They are in the bottom. They're, they're sleepers and um, everybody's praying to their pagan gods on the ship during the storm and finally they go you get up oh sleeper you know why don't you pray to your god here he had the answer and he was so upset about his assignment so running from god he was in the bottom just coping by going to sleep which is another coping mechanism just let me just let me just i just got to get unconscious i got to get into an unconscious state and go to sleep if you don't think satan attacks you in your sleep Please be discerning, because he does. Sleeping doesn't always work when you're trying to cope. But, uh, but Jonah's a good lesson for us, and uh, be a good deep dive to look into and see, because we don't want to be the Jonas. We don't want to be the Jonas who have the answers. Um, so let's pray. Father God, we love you, God. We just, God, we just give you the worship. We give you the, the praise, because you are God. You are our creator. How can we not not just lift our voices to you, but how can we not give you back everything in response to you giving us everything? You gave us not only life, but then you gave us life again. When when death was at our door through what Adam did, you gave us new life through Jesus, and all we had to do was say yes. God, I just praise you. You are the answer to these perilous times that we are in. God, help us to be the answer. Help us to be the discerning answer to those around us. To be that light, not hid under a bushel, but to shine in this darkness. God, we've not yet begun to see the darkness to the extent it will rise. God, help us. Some of us can even go to the bottom of a... uh, metaphoric ship and and go to sleep and and just pretend like some of these things aren't happening because maybe we don't live in the in the inner cities of where some of these terrible things are happening and plaguing people but god we cannot escape what is coming we cannot escape the impact of it you are shaking all things in heaven and in earth shaking them fully so that the things which cannot be shaken are the only things that remain. And God, that is who you are and who we are in you. All else will fade away. God, that is such a foreign concept in the bride today. God, open our eyes. Let it not be so foreign. Let this sold-out message that is all throughout your word not be such an absurd thought that we walk away like the rich man. Who was living a great Christian life and obeying all the commandments, but who at the thought of emptying him his entire life of everything he had to follow Jesus? Oh, I can't do that, that's too much. God forgive us. Forgive your your bride and this nation being founded upon you for turning away and finding the pleasures of this life, what they choose. God, I just pray that you would help us to be vigilant, help us to be focused. God, give us, give our hearts just the love, not only to know who, how loved we are, but to be able to overflow with your love. As you said to us recently, and it's all throughout your word too, that it's the most powerful force on earth and, and the most convicting. Your love is what constrains people and draws them to you. God, help us to be filled with that love in, in a world where Satan is trying to counter a false love that's really just manifesting in more and more and more hate. God, we need you. We need you, God, but I thank you that we have you because you will be found when we seek you with all of your heart, all of our hearts. So God, we worship you. We give you the praise that you deserve, God. You are mighty. You are holy. Let us walk in that. And on the other side, be found faithful. Be overcomers. Just thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. We ask and pray all of
0: this in Jesus' name. Amen.